podcast this week, we have another bumper-sized pantheon of guests. First up, we interview Jeremy Renner and Hayley Steinfeld stars of Hawkeye. That hits the bullseye. Oh. And speaking of people who are not throwing away their shot, we also speak to Lin-Manuel Miranda himself about the new Disney musical Encanto. Hooray! All that and more on the movie podcast that is, like the Queen, assuming a new form. Come back in February to see what that is. May well be a giant slore. Oh, exciting. No one gets the Ghostbusters. I, yes, I, got, I got it. it. I, got I was going to respond with the, with the Vince Clotho line, but I can't mm. remember the exact, however it's burned in the fires of the slaw that yes, day. I can yeah. tell you. I no, can't remember the exact quote. No so. one remembers. Yeah. No. Coffee? Sure. Yes, have some. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on, James. Uh, don't come on, James. Um, come, come on, oh, comma, no. James. Oh, no. Oh, no. already. Oh, Five no. minutes to run to fluids. Five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> feels, feels how, how, how long do you think my intro was, Beth Webb? <laughs> Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt. Uh, welcome to the Empire Podcast. Uh, this week, I'm delighted to be back in the studio, joined by my three colleagues of such lethal cunning. It's all very, very exciting. We've been having some technical faffing, uh, so we started 45 minutes late. So uh, I'm going to introduce them, and then we're going to get straight into it. Straight into sure. it. None of this usual preamble and nonsense. Uh, three colleagues of such lethal cunning, geek queen, Helen O'Hara. Hello. Swindon's finest, Beth Webb. Hello. And uh, despite popular demand, <laughs> great big fucking nerd, James Dyer. I am back from the north, like Jon Snow. Uh, and listen, before we get into it and talk about a listener question, uh, I should mention right up front that if you're listening to this on Friday morning, because I would have been busting my gut overnight getting this podcast ready and up for Friday morning, uh, the reason being that I have to focus all my efforts and all my energies on our live episode of The Ranking, which is taking place tonight as you're listening to this, if you're listening to this on Friday, November 19th, if you're listening to it afterwards and disregard everything I'm about to say. <laughs> But we are doing a live episode of The Ranking at the Finsbury Park Picture House, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be there. Helen's going to be there. Mm -hmm. Beth's going to be there. Um, James? I will not be there. James will not be there. 100% not. Okay. So there you go. That's an investment. (laughs) No interest in listening to you talk. I have it too much as it is. (laughs) Evident uh, by the lack of invitation to appear (laughs) on the... Is it called Pilot TV? Yes. That's the one. Uh, Anyway, anyway... um, so we're going to be doing that and some tickets are still available. So if you fancy coming along and seeing five people talk about the movies of Tom Cruise and then ultimately decide a an Empire Top 10, then go to picturehouses.com uh, and go to the Finsbury Park Picture House, part of that website, and then you can buy tickets or I think tickets may well be available in the door, but, uh, but you know, but go online and buy tickets just to be on the safe side. There are £12 for non-Picture House members and £10 for Picture House members is going to be a lot of fun. Cannot recommend it highly enough. All right, now the shameless plug is out of the way. Shall we have a question? All right, let's do it. Um, so I sent you guys a question. Didn't read it. And then I changed my mind. Oh, good. Oh, are you joking me? That works out well. Are you absolutely joking me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we're not doing the listener question you've sent us. Well, have you prepared? I've done a few, like, mildly entertaining ones, I guess. Like, more sort of Easter eggs. All right, we'll be the judge of that. I mean, <laughs> okay. is, hang on, what are my options? Listener question or no listener question? Oh, no, 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 that'll be a different question. question one that you've not prepared for. Just one that I'm going to throw at right. you. Yeah. Okay, should we shoot? Uh, Beth's prepared. Sure. But Beth they're not is prepared. Pre- well, now the pressure's on me. They're not going to be as good. I think both. Maybe we should do it at a different time. All right. Or something. Well, here's the thing, because I put out a request for questions earlier on when I was on the toilet. And, oh, no. And now, um, 
What? <laughs> is there a name for that? Is it like yeah, a, a... too much information. <laughs> I haven't seen these responses, so I don't know what oh, the question is going to be. Oh, this is live question choosing. Wow, this yeah, is going to be this is live question exciting choosing. All right. and efficient. Strap yourselves in, folks. Here we go. Oh, should I read them out loud? Yes, this is oh, yeah. coming. <laughs> That would be a lot better, wouldn't it? Oh, Uh, give me strength. Okay. So, uh, Andy Lane is asking, what's the weirdest bit of promotional movie tat you've seen? The weirdest bit. Is I can, do you know what? Say, and okay. this is a little bit of fun fact about Beth Webb. So, my dad. <laughs> Beth Webb likes to speak about herself in the third person. <laughs> Beth Smash. So, so, my dad was, up until a few years ago, a regional uh, film critic and had been for like 20 years, 30 years. And he used to go to regional cinema days. So unlike where we just go to like Leicester Square and on, on like a Monday, like, God, James is looking at his watch and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. This is brilliant. I, I noticed that too. It was like, you were less than just 10 James. seconds into your story. And he was like. <laughs> James oh. literally looking at James. He spends 45 minutes going over a Game of Thrones recap from an episode that aired five years it ago. It was 17 it's minutes. <laughs> Okay, now in my defence, in my defence, I was looking at a notification. I was not actively checking the time. Absolutely ridiculous. Anyway. All right, Beth. Okay. My my dear dad, Steve Webb, uh, was a regional film critic and would go to like cinema dates in places like Milton Keynes and stuff because they didn't have access to London screenings. And the shit he would come back with, it was absolutely amazing. Um, What did I have? I had a Michael T-shirt, you know the film Michael. Oh, was yeah. it Nora Ephron with the like, John Travolta with one? John Travolta as an angel. It. I mm. lived in my Michael T-shirt. I had a birdcage pen that was shaped like a flamingo. That Amazing. was really That's cool. Good. Yeah, Mortal Kombat baseball cap. That was another favorite. Mm. God, what else did we have? Those are three. Those three to get started. All right, I'm 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 okay, agreeing okay. with this decision. Yeah. The, the birdcage flamingo pen was probably my favorite. That's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. I have in my car even now a Fargo ice scraper. That's good. That's I stole from the Empire <laughs> office many years ago. I had a breakup ice cream scoop, which was useful. Oh, oh that is yeah. useful. That was useful. But the um uh, the one that was very disappointing, I have to say, was w- there was a horror movie. It might have had Miliovovich, and it was a bunch of people camping, possibly in like Hawaii or somewhere. Anyway, they sent us promotional uh, sleeping bags. Yeah. And I thought, this is great. I was going to Glastonbury one year. I'm like, I have a sleeping bag. I don't even have to think about the sleeping bag issue. That is sorted. Yeah. It is the thinnest sleeping bag <laughs> in the whole world. <laughs> and my first night at Glastonbury, I just froze. And I had to go and buy one of those cheap duvets that they sell there. Oh, my gosh. And pile it on top. I had literally, not just the sleeping bag, but literally every piece of clothing I brought with me on top of the sleeping bag. Yeah. And I was still too cold to get to sleep. And it was the <gasps> middle of summer and it wasn't that bad. Wow. Summer. I've just remembered another one, which was a whole doll shaped like Free Willy. I beg your pardon? Wow. Yeah. So it was a whale. It was a it was a whole uh, no technically a large dolphin, I believe. An orca. <laughs> Helen. I'm that sorry. Is a magnificent glasses up the nose moment. Um, <laughs> glasses up the nose moment. Where I you, think you'll find. Where do you keep your glasses? An orca is not a whale. Um but yes, cephalopod. It was it was made out of this kind of flammable foamy material. And I remember once getting in a massive fight with them and packing this free willy hold on and pretending to run away from home and standing at the door telling them I was going to run away from home with my free willy hold or shaped like a killer whale <laughs> on on my arm full of like my stuffed toys that was that's that was amazing that's adorable yeah. one of my sisters once packed up to move away from home as well and she brought like five pairs of pyjamas two pairs of socks one pair of pants and her teddy bear yeah 
It was I very, mean, I don't understand. She'd have gone new. far. She'd have gone <laughs> no, far. I think she would have. She was planning to go to our neighbour's house and move into the large shed that they had as a sort of dog house. Yeah. So she was going to go and live with the dog in the dog house. Do you know what? That sounds quite appealing. <laughs> you know, get away from it all. Yeah. Just, just. Even now, as we speak upstairs, we have some promotional tap, which actually arrived this morning. And it is a giant what looks like about seven gallon glass jar full of ghost snot. Is that what it was? Yes. Oh no. So they sent us some Ghostbusters Afterlife tat but it is submerged in a vat of thick green slime and it is the consistency of it is fascinating. So it's it's like it's not just slimy, it's incredibly viscous but also super sticky so it gets lots of tendrils yeah. every time you touch it oh and Ben had to fish out some of the merchandise from the slime oh no uh, it's, it's quite grim see I didn't get it because he was sort of tending to it when I went upstairs <laughs> and I was like these kids today what what is this yeah just some you know, sort of like sourdough culture exactly he's gone through sourdough he's gone through kombucha he's straight up into slime molds now yeah. you know that's where it's going great for the tummy I'm wondering if it's like Ghostbusters too, where if he gets irate the thing comes to life and starts trying to eat people oh, probably yeah, ben, ben Travis does get irate a lot so. I think I, honestly I think he's got a dark passenger <laughs> Hundred percent full Dexter. He's killed before, and he'll yeah. kill again. He'll kill again. Yeah, absolutely. One hundred percent. As your lawyer, Chris, no. Watch out, Helen. You may be next. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's that's still not okay. That's still yeah. definitely defamation. Of ben, ben Travis. Ben Travis Bicklemore. Like, <laughs> watch that boy. Ooh. Watch nope. him. No, he's a lovely guy. One of the nicest people I've ever met. Yeah, disgustingly so. Yeah. Disgustingly. Outrageous. Yeah. I, I have a lot of, of time for creatively yeah. done tat. Yeah. Yeah. Like when it's done well. I still use my Perfect Storm umbrella, which I enjoy a lot. I have the yellow It slicker. I don't wear that a lot because it makes me look a bit... I know yeah. what you did last time. Do, do you hide in storm drains? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Only occasionally and just on the weekends. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, we, like, we, we got... Um, like some of the multimedia tickets. So there was the... I seem to recall the Red Dragon multimedia came in like FBI identification... Oh, wallets. like yeah, okay. the tickets came, and the girl on the train ones were like little train tickets, little train passes. Cool. Yeah, yeah, those were cool. Those were nice. But- I, I, I'm I'm absolutely loving my uh, uh, Le Blag Cafe uh, cup that Ooh, I got for yes. a French dispatch. Yeah. That, that's, that is that's very nice. That I was mm. I was absolutely obsessed with that. Seeing the film, the thing I still need, which I'm going to have to make myself if it doesn't exist, are the sheets which say Prison Asylum of Ennui. That would be. It's superb. Oh, yeah. I like right? um, anything that's useful. Anything yeah, that's exactly. useful. It doesn't yeah. matter what the film is. The film could be the worst film ever made. But as long as you make something I can keep in my house, then I'm all right with it. <laughs> uh, uh, so I I don't think the film's bad. But uh, I have, for example, Kingsman, the first Kingsman coasters that mm-hmm. we still keep uh, drinks on so that you know, we don't get our coffee table. I have a nice Kingsman umbrella. That's oh, nice. Yeah, a decent Does sort it have of oh, Like a gentleman's yeah, like a gentleman's yeah. umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. Can you kill people with it? Um You'd have to try quite hard. My lawyer advises me to say no. (laughs) Do you lock people in at a pub and go, manners, maketh, man, and then proceed to beat the shit out of them? Well, yeah, but like that's just like Friday night. (laughs) (laughs) James is on a storm drain. Helen's beating people out in a pub. What are you doing on Friday night, Beth? Running away with my free Willy Holdall. <laughs> that's that's how they term it in Swindon. <laughs> didn't we once? Um, I, I don't know how I'm going to make this leap, but um, from from that to this, but didn't we once get condoms with a, with a film? I'm sure there were there were. You've gone. Oh, there was I worse mean, the than free that. Willy connection is, is very was, transparent, but yeah, there was worse than condoms. What's, com- what's anal worse beads? Than- we were sent anal beads. <laughs> Please what never shout that again. <laughs> Ever shout that again. What film was it? Donkey Punch or something? Yeah, was wow. it? I don't think it was Donkey Punch. Was, I don't know. If <gasps> I remember something. the publicist who sent it, Sheena. Oh, that's right. It was Free um, Willy 2. <laughs> it was Free Willy 2. You're absolutely right. The uh, long cut anal bead scene from oh, no. Free Willy 2. 
Yeah, th- th- those in 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 Empire's defense, those did go in the bin. But like, oh, I'm sure it, they did. It was just like, what? No, right in you. the bin. Oh no! What? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know what happened to those anal beads. <clears throat> anyway, uh, what? Oh god! So yeah, we definitely were sent send condoms uh, for movies, many wow. movies over the years. But the the one I have uh, such a soft spot for was a frisbee. It was an, an evolution frisbee. Do you remember the film Evolution? I do Ivan Reitman, yes, yeah. mm. two thousand one. David Duchovny, did it have the Julianne little three eyed smiley face on it? Orlando Jones, it did. Mm. Great. It was a bright yellow frisbee, uh, and I think that frisbee was last seen. If I'm right in thinking, uh, it was last seen being thrown by my wife into the waters uh, in San Lucia, and too far out for either of us to retrieve. Oh, so. Wilson. Well, yes, Wilson. <laughs> so, a- a- anything useful? I don't care. Mm-hmm. Just you know, just obviously send it our way. <laughs> We're very poor. We will give your film five stars, right, Helen? Just to, that is no, again, no, that, absolutely not. Absolutely confirm case. that is the relationship. Absolutely not. Okay. The case. Fantastic yeah. four. Binding. Rise of the Silver Surfer iPod Shuffle. Is a weird one, but no. okay. So, no so way. that is that is the makings of a terrible film. If no. that's what they're sending out. <laughs> but, but but the reason they did it is obviously the publicist had this fantastic idea that I was I can't remember if it was soon after the London Eye opened. It might have been. I don't remember. I've worked here far too long. London I don't remember when the film, the film came out. But mm. yeah, so it appears in the film. But they decided they were going to do the interviews on the London Eye. And this must have seemed a great thing on the ground. And then, of course, they realised you're in a small enclosed space and you're going around for 45 minutes. With Michael Chiklis. (laughs) (laughs) With Michael Chiklis. But obviously the interviews aren't that long and everyone else in the bubble is going to be listening to the interview and and then doing their one. So they gave everyone Fantastic Four iPod Shuffle so you had something to listen to so you weren't listening to the interview that someone was doing. That's more money than sense. This is a terrible, terrible idea. What were you thinking? Were you in one of these booths? Oh, yes. Who, oh, who, yes. who were you in with? Was it Chickless, Evans, uh, Griffith, or um, Alba? On, I did Alba and Chickless on that particular day, as I wow. recall. Wow. Madness. Yeah. I think I did Tib's story as well. <laughs> wow. Oh, my, so my dad is actually sending through now more merchandise that we got a screen. Live, live from Beth's <laughs> live dad. This is amazing. Live from Steve Webb in can Swindon. You, can you put him on? Can you FaceTime him? Do you want that? Yeah, put him on. Stick him on. Oh, God. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, he's going to hate this. <laughs> Hello. Did you, did you call me Bethany or Beth? We're on the Empire Podcast recording, and the question was um, great movie merchandise we've had. So I've mentioned the free. Dad's laughing. Hold them up to hold them up the microphone. When you said free Willy bag, I wondered what the hell you were talking about. But uh, Fair. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. So we've done that. We've done the Michael T-shirt, Mortal Kombat cap. What were the two you've just sent me? I sent you one that was. Um, it was like after he saw a film called So I Married an Axe Murderer, oh, which yes. I was too young to remember. Harry, yeah. Uh, Mike Myers' so called comedy. Well, <laughs> Enough of the so called comedy. Steady. We love that <laughs> film. It got a little plastic axe, and when you tapped it on something, like your head probably, it screamed. <laughs> Hang on. It screamed. Um, <laughs> Wait a second. Right. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, there was a remember, but there was a babe. There was a babe jumping pig. He, again, was, you know, you press the thing on it, and it walked a bit, and then it jumps a somersault. I do remember that. Yep, yeah. battery operated yeah. pig, babe. Yeah. <laughs> yes, as most things were. Then we got some others. Yeah, all sorts of What's t-shirts. What's the question? And who's that? <laughs> 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 so hang on. So the what used to come back from cinema days within the goodie bag. Yeah. Which, 
T-shirt. Blair Witch Project T-shirt, which um, comes out every October the 31st. <laughs> yep. Savage that, yep. And uh, was that any any more for any more? Was that like a syringe with some fake blood in it? Do I remember that? No? <laughs> that might be a different memory. No, I don't think it was fake blood, but... Um... I think it's probably a proper syringe with real blood in it. But, can, I, uh, can I ask Beth, Beth Stad? Oh, um, can I call you? Can I call you? Say, Chris has got a question. I've, got, I've got a question. Hello, Beth Stad. Hi. Can I call you Beth Stad? <laughs> can you hear me okay? Hi. Hi. Have you ever been sent anything rude or of a, of a, of a sexual nature? Brilliant. This is, um, this is wonderful. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Think so. I think I definitely have remembered um, put it to good use. But... <laughs> 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 I'm with Beth giggling, and she's with us actually with Chris and James, I guess. And Helen, Helen's here as well. Oh, um, no. <laughs> um, I think you better stop talking. Yeah, we're going to go now. Yes, I think that's our cue. Right. Thank you, Thanks, Beth's dad. Bye, guys. Thank you. And, 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 and Beth's mum, I presume, as well. Beth's yeah. mum. It's going to be years unpacking that trauma. So, <laughs> okay. We did have other questions, but I think we probably, um, we're going to crest there. I think we're, we're fine. Um, did he just admit to banging you over the head with a plastic axe when you were a child? Yep. Explains oh, so who, much. Who doesn't get banged over a, the head with a plastic axe? By a running circles instead of a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. I have always wondered about the drooling, but that's, that's fine. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, all right. Okay. Well, there were other questions, but I think we <laughs> we hit gold with the first one. I was Gosh. not expecting to have the parents' web. So what's your mum's name? Helen. Helen. Green no name. way. Yeah. All the best people. All the best. It's like a like a lost highway situation. <laughs> Helen was here and in your house at the same yep. time. Or was it a different person called Helen? It's a different person. No comment. Okay. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Anyway, so if you want to have your question read out in the Empire podcast, there is Why? only one game. Why the hell? <laughs> if you because want Beth's parents answer your question on the Empire podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My mum was in the magazine that time. She um, translated something from one of Guillermo's books. Oh, lovely. Did she? Yeah. yeah. That's nice. Because we were had, too cheap for a translator. In the, in the magazine? <laughs> I think the picture of me on the set of The Empire Strikes Back has my mum in it, and that was printed in the magazine, so yes. I don't think my mum and dad were ever in the magazine. You're going to have to correct that There somewhere. was that picture in the magazine of you having sex with a pie, so they must have been very proud. No. Furious. I was cast out. <laughs> my dad was very critical of my technique. That's not <laughs> how you fuck a pie, son! Anyway, anyway, <laughs> do you have your question right out in the Emperor podcast? Get in touch with me on Twitter. I'm at Chris Hewitt, uh, or you can slide into my DMs if you have a good question. I uh, like the person who sent the question in that Beth had prepared for. <laughs> yeah, uh, listen, I've got, I've got to say it. I've got, to, okay, I've, I'm, okay. I'm gonna, oh, I've got dear. to do it. I've got to do it because otherwise Beth's prepared for absolutely no, do nothing. Do you know what? Because I've only heard it's no, very... Beth. No, no. You've, you've picked up your response now, so it's no. not absolutely hilarious. It's not. It's not. It's not, not, not going to be in hilarious, fairness, James. In fairness, she claimed mildly amusing. So. Yes. Tepid at best. All right. So All the right. question is, the question is, the question is, the question is, I took a screenshot of it. It's from Lion Ben 1885 Hi, Chris. Hi, Ben. Just had a thought watching this Spider-Man trailer where Doctor Strange says, Scooby-Doo this crap. In addition to Eternals acknowledging the existence of Batman and Superman, don't forget, which is interesting as I can't imagine the DC film mentioning the MCU. Are there other interesting examples in film or TV? where they cross the franchise streams or have a dig at a rival franchise. 
Beth. Yeah. Yes, I'm sure there are. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, James. <laughs> well, because I oh. research is his middle name. Do you, do you know, I've just I've just and put it on no myself. Is his first name. <laughs> uh, just um, in the Lego Movie, there is a 21 Jump Street poster in uh, Emmett's room that says Macho and the Nerd, which is the Spanish translation of 21 Jump Street. I thought that was kind of cute. That's cute. That's good. Cute That's good. Yeah. Solid. Uh, and then in Cruel Intentions, Ryan Philippe and uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar are ripping the shit out of the cover of an InStyle magazine and on the front is Jennifer Love Hewitt there. Uh, Cruel Summer, that's not it. I know, I know what you did last summer. I know what you did last summer. Co-star <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt is in that and they they just take the piss out of her. It's quite funny. That's me. That's me. That's wow. it. Wow. Wow. Okay. Two pretty poor examples. <laughs> uh, <laughs> really not great. But at the same okay. time, you gave me 24 hours notice and I still did the yeah. research. You, she and did. So she did. This is I'm going to say it even if it's not very good. Scooby-Doo is in quite a lot of universes though, isn't it? Because you've got uh, obviously the Scooby gang in Buffy. Into the Scooby-verse. Uh, and well, the, the supernatural goes literally into the Scooby verse because there's Scooby Natural, where they actually get projected into an episode of Scooby Doo and they become animated. Oh, that's pretty great. Dean keeps trying to hit on Daphne. It's very cute. Why would you do that when Thelma's right there? Look, I'm not. He- look, if I'm not here to speak for his taste, all right. I'm not saying it's flawless. He has flaws mm. in his flawlessness. Maybe I'm just looking through my Linda Cardellini prism. That's fair. Isn't there this, and this is a very different issue probably, but isn't there a sort of whole sort of interconnected universe of American TV? So there are so many different American TV shows where somebody has played a character they play on another show and has guessed it. So like in Friends, mm-hmm. when um, uh, Phoebe's twin sister is a character on a different show, isn't isn't she? So those canonically, about, about, yeah, canonically yeah. are linked. So then... but. You can do that through like half the film, half the TV shows in kind of mainstream American TV history. Mm. And like all the soaps basically interconnect through these shared characters. And you get insane shit like basically The X Files connects to I Love Lucy or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a different thing, but I love it. Yeah, that's true. Friends is part of the Mad About You universe or the Mad About Universe, if you will. Uh, and I've said in the podcast before, it's well known that uh, Richard Belzer who plays John Munch on Law & Order SVU, or played, characters no longer in SVU, uh, holds the record for playing the same character on mm-hmm. a number of television shows because Munch actually started out on Homicide Life on the Street and then transferred somehow through magic to the Law & Orderverse. Uh, but he has also appeared as Munch on things like Arrested Development, The X-Files, The Wire, Sesame Street, 30 Rock, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and even I believe The Simpsons so he he holds the record it's all connected man it's all connected it's all connected but that wasn't I know quite the question it, w- it wasn't um, the question in fact but I like what true. you're doing with that yeah. which is you're you're doing a very MasterChef thing where you're, you've 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 seen the brief and you've ignored <laughs> the brief I'm choosing to ignore yeah. it. whatever answer you give Chris will simply answer but munch well it quite and, and indeed has done so so well done for getting that in there James but munch but munch <laughs> Do you not? Do you not remember Butt Munch? You're a Butt Munch. A Butt Munch. No one likes a Butt Munch. No. Where is that from? That is from. Uh, no one likes a Butt Munch, and you're all so bad in bed. That's okay, the one. there we go. <laughs> <laughs> weren't expecting a musical interlude, were you? It's from Friends. Okay, good anyway, stuff. Good yeah. stuff. Should we have a guest? Sure. Should we have a guest? Have yeah, I let's. told everyone where they can find out the information? That they can get in touch with me on Twitter at Chris Hewitt, slide into my DMs, reply to any of my tweets, wait for a panic shout out every now and again, just as I did earlier on. 
Who do you want? Do you want Lynn Manuel Miranda or do you want Jeremy Renner and Hayley Steinfeld? Oh, that's a tough question. I will take the guest behind door number one. I don't know. Oh, the Memo Miranda. Okay. Because <laughs> I wasn't, I, I didn't have a door set up. So when you said the guest behind door number one, I was like, I, I don't have time to build two doors. <laughs> and I put little tiny figurines of yeah. Limo Memo Miranda. Okay. Is there a Limo Memo Miranda figurine? Almost certainly. You think? Well, but there's like Funko uh, Pop. Uh, yeah, Funko from, Pop, right? From, from yeah, there's, there's, yes, there is. Yeah. That's what's going to be the Funko Pop <laughs> of Limo Memo Miranda. Yeah, it is. His, his yeah. lamplighter. That's right. Actually, not his mm. chimney sweep. Whatever. Yeah, from, lamplighter. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Unless you're just being a gaslighter, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Rosalind, I don't know who he plays. Anthony Hamilton, the former World Snooker quarterfinalist in Hamilton. I think that's that's more likely to be his Funko Pop. Anyway, Limon Miranda, he's got both, it is actually. I think. Has he got both? Pretty sure. Oh, that's nice. Good yeah. for him. Anyway, him, him. Yes. Okay. So Limon Miranda. It has been a cracking year for him. The adaptation of In the Heights, which was, of course, the musical that preceded. Hamilton came out early in the year. James loved it. It's one of his films of the year. Uh, he His directorial debut as a uh, feature film director, Tick, Tick, Boom, is out on Netflix this week. In fact, wow. it was out in cinemas last week. We reviewed it on last week's show. Uh, but he's not done there. He is not done there. He has been writing music for lots of movies. Well, a couple of movies. Uh, ever since Hamilton, Moana being one of them, and Encanto. Make way, make way. Moana, it's time you knew. <laughs> What? what? Another musical interlude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss karaoke. Uh, anyway, so Encanto, which is another Disney movie, is out on Wednesday, the 24th. Uh, so it's out next week. And he wrote the songs for that. And so Ben Travis, Ben Travis, who, like Helen and myself, is a Hamilton superfan. Mm. Uh, Has Lynn been seen since? That's the question. Because of Ben's star passenger. Mm. Yeah, he's in Ben's trunk. That's about <laughs> <laughs> He's not. We should again stress thank you for that we know thank mainly you for, for legal reasons that Ben <laughs> is not a serial killer. Factual reasons, factual, I think, also. Factual, are, factual, yeah. fact. We okay. cannot definitively state that Ben Travis is not a serial killer. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's Schrodinger's Travis. <laughs> I don't think that's not how any of this works. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, Ben took time out from his busy... Killer Ben. His, yeah, old killer Travis <laughs> took time out from his busy schedule of murdering people. <laughs> To oh talk to Lynn Mamel Miranda. If you hear some screams and blood splattering on the walls in the background, I will try my best to get rid of it with a noise gate. Old Bone Saw Ben. <laughs> anyway, he spoke to Lynn Mamel Miranda about music and murder. <laughs> no murder. No murder. No, no murder. murder. No murder. I have to make that absolutely clear. Oh, just God. music. Just music. But you know he was thinking about it. Oh, God. Here we go. Do please enjoy. It is my absolute genuine pleasure to welcome to the Empire Podcast the one and only Lynn Manuel Miranda. Oh my God, I've fluffed that up already. Lynn Manuel Miranda, how are you doing? Good, Ben. How are you? I'm pretty good. Be honest, was that the worst introduction you've had today? Oh, no, I've had way worse. <laughs> you're, 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 you're doing great. Well, we are huge fans of yours on the Empire podcast. We talk about you basically every week on the show, which is probably a bit weird. Uh, but the thing I want to start with, uh, there is so much to talk to you about in the year of Lin-Manuel Miranda, in the wake of the brilliant Encanto. But where I want to start is with your Halloween costume. This year, uh, yourself and Vanessa, you dressed up as Gomez and Morticia Adams. I have to ask, was that convenience? Did you already have the pinstripe suit? Or was that long in the planning? 
Yeah. Well, the thing is, when you've got a Latino family, we're always just um, shave and some pencil brow away from a Gomez and Morticia. <laughs> it's it's actually the easiest con. You know, I was like, I have a striped jacket. Like this is all I have to do is shave my little John Waters mustache, and I've got an instant Gomez. I've got the bags under my eyes. <laughs> got the hair. <laughs> it's really very simple. Um, it was a day. It was like a day of the show kind of uh, audible that we called. Um, so yeah, it was not that hard. And my, and our kids were unrelated in their costumes. And my, my son was, my sons were Petey and little Petey from the Dogman comic books, uh, for Halloween. So we are like, we have no, we don't fit into your theme. So we're just going to go mess and partition it. That's what we love at a Halloween hodgepodge. Um, yeah, exactly. So as I mentioned, this is the year of Lin-Manuel Miranda. We had In the Heights earlier this year. Then we had, uh, Vivo on Netflix, now Encanto in cinemas. And uh, Tick, Tick, Boom is just around the corner as well, your directorial debut. So I have to ask, how are you feeling in this final stretch of 2021? Are you exhausted? Are you having your Hamilton running out of time, right day and night like you're running out of time moment? Um, well, I, I realized at an early point last year that the pandemic was going to crash all of these projects into the same year. Remember, In the Heights was supposed to come out last summer. Yeah. Nemo was supposed to come out last fall. Um, and so I... Um, I anticipated this in a lot of, you know, there's a, a lyric at the end of Tick, Tick, Boom that's fear or love. Um, and on any given day, I'm 80% fear, 20% love, or, you know, 50-50. Um, I'm always looking for what that equilibrium is. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly nervous and I'm incredibly excitedly nervous because these are both projects that have been um, many years in the making. And then when you get to in the heights in vivo those are 13 years and 10 years in the making respectively um so it's what's exciting about it you know you asked about the hamilton is that i'm gonna have an empty desk uh by the end of this year and i have not had an empty desk in 15 years wow. <laughs> so uh I, I don't have anything new i'm working towards and that's really exciting and freeing and um i'm thrilled to see what the world does with uh Encanto and Tictico. Yeah. When you get that empty desk, is that love? Is that fear? What percentage do you think that is? That's all love. I have a long vacation with my wife <laughs> for January um, because uh, we have really not had a break. Um, and so uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I, you know, I try to take with me the fact that the best idea I may ever have in my life was taking Ron Chernow's biography with me to a hammock in Mexico. Uh, and the lesson of that should be take more vacations. Uh, so I'm trying <laughs> to take that with me into 2022. Excellent. Let's talk in Canto. I loved the film so much and I was a huge fan of Moana. Um, so the excitement and the anticipation of more Lin-Manuel Disney songs was huge. Um, but I wanted to ask, how did you get involved in Encanto? Did that come after Moana was all finished? Uh, were the directors already working on that project? How did you become part of that process? Yeah, it, it really came out of the, the incredible working relationship we forged on Moana. Um, I don't think it's a secret to say Moana was, I was the last guy hired for that. Um, and it was already a couple of years in development before I signed on. Um, and I had just an amazing time and working with, you know, it was this sort of shotgun marriage to Opataya and Mark Mancina, who are my musical collaborators on that. And, you know, 
we all feel very lucky that we had as much fun as we did. You know, when you're kind of being match made as songwriters, that doesn't always work out. But we had a, I mean, we wrote How Far I'll Go, like the first day we worked together. Uh, not How Far I'll Go, um, uh, We Know the Way, the first right. time we worked together. It was a melody and lyric um, that Opataya brought in. And then I just started like translating and writing around his melody, like dolphins chasing a boat. And um, again, it was like the whole collaboration felt like that. It was really fun bouncing off each other. And I just sort of said to Tom McDougall, who was, he was the head of music for Disney animation. And now he's the head of like music in general for Disney. I just said like, I want to be there from the beginning on the next one, if you'll have me. And, um, and I remember him saying like, oh, we'll, we'll have an all-star team for you next time. Um, and we do with Sharice Castro-Smith and Byron Howard and uh, Jared Bush. We all just started meeting early and often saying we want to make a Latino themed Disney animated musical. Like, where do we go and what do we want it to be about? And we were inspired. Our big mandate to ourselves was we want to get, because we started just telling a lot of family stories and we just want to get a family up on that screen. Like, because you have to understand when I got hired from Moana, Moana had eight brothers that she was like beating in a sailing race. And what happens in a lot of movies is you focus on your main character and you pair away anything that doesn't have to do with that main character and her journey. This is a movie podcast, so I know there's no shortage of like Robert McKee readers who have read <laughs> screenwriting books, and you focus on that journey and that arc. Um, and our sort of challenge to ourselves was, well, actually, no, we want to get a whole family up there, and the relationships between those people are, that's the story. Those are mm -hmm. the stakes. Um, and so I think I'm losing power in this because now I'm only hearing in my left ear. I'm going to, I'm going to switch to my, um, my computer. Can you still, can you still hear me? Okay. Uh, yep. I've got you. I still got you. Is that good? And that, that's an okay sound. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. It's great. Thank okay. you. So, yeah, so we kind of switched to, so we, it was, it was really about getting that family up, up and then Jared and Sharice and Byron were really inspired by magical realism in mm. sort of Latin American literature and Gabriel Garcia Marquez and Isabel Allende, and that leads you to Colombia. Um, and so that's kind of how we got to where we are was this like the, the notion of this magical family. Um, and then, you know, once we had Mirabelle, who was the only member of the family who does not have a magical gift, we were like off to the races. Yeah, I, I'm really intrigued by generally the, the Disney way of working. Like I watched all of the making of documentary of, of Frozen 2 that's on Disney Plus. And the, the that fluid... was my therapy. Um, <laughs> I love that documentary. I'm so glad you brought it up. Because it shows that the really fluid way of working, even kind of you're working on this film for years, but also it's kind of coming together in the last year. And there are songs coming in and dropping out and new characters coming in and animatics and all of that stuff yeah. is fascinating. So as somebody who was in the middle of that storm, how did you find that fluid process and, and finding characters and finding songs and finding a through line when everything is also kind of fluid around it? Yeah, well, first an aside on that Frozen 2 documentary, because I loved that documentary. I think it, it premiered like right at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was my 
therapy when we were in the weeds working on Encanto was like, well, listen, they're 11 months out and they still don't have show yourself. So we're fine. <laughs> then there became the moment where we blew past 11 months and we, I still had to write the last song for the movie. And then it stopped being therapy because I was even <laughs> further behind than Bobby and Kristen were on Frozen 2. What, what was the last song for this one? What was the one that came together at the, the last song in the movie? All of you. Right. Um, and, um, but, but to your larger question of how music helps tell the story, um, I remember being really empowered early in the process on Moana. Um, an animator turned to me and said, raise your hand a lot because we all know how to tell this story visually, but you're the music guy here. So you have to tell us what we don't know. Um, and I really took that to heart. Um, and I was also really inspired having worked now on, um, on Little Mermaid, how much Howard Ashman, like, grabbed the ball and ran with it as a storyteller, uh, along with uh, Alan Menken. Um, there's an amazing, you see glimpses of it in, um, in the Howard Ashman documentary, but there's an amazing masterclass he has with all the animators of like, here's why we start with Fathoms Below. Here's like, like literally beat by beat how they built this um, animated score. And so the give and take, I think, on this was, was much more intense than than on Moana and 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 any animated project I've ever worked on. Um, I wrote the first song, uh, the Family Madrigal, before we had an end to our movie, before we even had a second act to our movie, because I knew, all right, we got twelve ish major characters. Um, we need to understand who they are, how they're related, what they do. And I was really inspired by Belle from Beauty and the Beast. You know, that's a bravura six minute sequence. And by the end of it, you know exactly who Belle is, you know who everyone in the town is, including Gaston, including her father, um, and how they all interact. Like the, like the chess pieces are in place. And I knew that we would need to do that for if we were going to get the entire family through the development process intact. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so I wrote that and I said, listen, their names are going to change, their powers are going to change, but here's what we have to do to sort of set up our story. Um, and that in turn, I think, inspired the filmmakers. Um, and then I was always kind of pushing for group numbers because what group numbers allow you to do is hear from characters that may, we may not necessarily, we don't have time for a solo from Dolores, but Dolores is my favorite character. <laughs> She's got supersonic hearing. I aspire to that. Um, and in there's a song in the middle of this movie called We Don't Talk About Bruno that isn't really inspired by anything in the Disney canon as much as it is the end of act one in any given musical. I'm thinking of Weekend in the Country from A Little Night Music, where you hear all of the characters as they're gearing up for their weekend in the country. Um, and it's beginning to snow towards the end of act one of Rent where everyone's on their journeys to the Life Cafe uh, for that diner. Um, even a song like Nonstop uh, from Hamilton where you get to hear all of the different melodies kind of crashing together. Um, Can I just say my favorite song in Hamilton? That is my number oh, one, that's you. my go-to. <laughs> thank you, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a fun one to act in too because in real life, people are not cheering as you slowly write things. <laughs> <laughs> and you get to stand there with a quill and everyone's like, yeah! <laughs> it's sort of like fantasy camp for a writer to be in the middle of that. 
Uh, you mentioned the family madrigal there. That is a joyous song. And you were tweeting the other day. Uh, there's a small, uh, there's a character in that. The boy who drinks too much coffee is my everything. I have to ask, who is your favorite minor Disney character? I know you're a Disney geek. I know you go deep. What are your favorite characters who are in like a scene or a moment? And you're like, oh, that is it. That's a great question. Um, well, my favorite all time character is Sebastian the Crab. He's just a frustrated composer. He didn't sign up for any of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> like he just wanted all of his performers to show up to his concert to sing his stuff. Um, and I love the, you know, his, his journey uh, with Ariel, but like to a dip, to a movie, it's a different thing. Like in Moana, I actually think it's that little boy who weirdly looks like Anthony Ramos in the dance who kind of comes up and purses his lip and is like flirting with Moana in the middle of this number um, and is way too young to me. Um, <laughs> you know, I think of, gosh, I mean, there's, there's so many. Um, I'm having trouble even like narrowing it down to a movie. I love the skeleton of Frida Kahlo in Coco. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's those, those bits are the things that, that give, those movies so much life and that little boy who drinks so much coffee i didn't get to write anything for him because he doesn't sing but he is me like i started <laughs> six years old um and how i'm gonna get through this junket today <laughs> yeah uh a quick one uh in the heights um i absolutely loved it that was my go-to happy film you, your therapy was the frozen two into the unknown documentary mine was going to the cinema down the road and seeing in the heights like four times this summer oh, um, i love the moment when uh in breathe uh, Nina sees, well, she's singing the song and those people say, welcome home. And that's your mum and dad. Did you sneak any relatives into Encanto, into this family story? <laughs> um, in the writing constantly, because again, the, the story, this is an original story. And so we all put our family stories into the middle of the pile and kind of created from there. Um, I can tell you that surface pressure is very much my ode slash apology to older siblings everywhere. Um, I have a sister who is six years older than me. She definitely had way more responsibilities than I did as the baby of the family. Um, she also is like tougher than me, <laughs> but is weirdly more sensitive. Like she's the easiest crier at the movies. She's the worst bluffer when we're playing cards. Um, and that's very much inspired by my relationship with her. Um, and then there's a moment we don't talk about Bruno. That is very much my parents. It's the first verse when Peppa and Felix are telling their Bruno story and they keep interrupting each other until Peppa says, are you telling this story or am I? And he goes, I'm sorry, go on. That's my parents telling every fucking story. When we were at the premiere <laughs> last week and, and she interrupts, they are interrupting each other. I go, you, that's you. <laughs> I just started like yelling at them in the middle of the premiere. Um, my mother loves spoilers and my father does not like them. And once this is the worst once they were watching a rerun of shark tank you guys have shark tank no is it like a business show is that it's like a business show okay. where people pitch business ideas oh i think and... it's called dragon's den over here yeah okay great so that's the equivalent and you know these investors decide whether they're in and they're gonna invest or not and so they're watching a rerun of dragon's den and my mom turns to my dad and goes they don't invest and he's like oh what? First of all, how do you know that? And she goes, I Googled it while we were watching. <laughs> he said, why would you tell me that before? 
the judges weigh in. So like that interplay, and it's really like every time they try to tell a story together um, is very much baked into the score of this. Well, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for your time, Lynn. It's been a joy to have you on the podcast and congratulations on Encanto and all the many, many things that you've been doing this year. Thank you, Ben. Always good to talk to you. Okay, that was Lynn Manuel Miranda and Encanto will be discussed on next week's show when it opens. It opens on Wednesday, Wednesday the 24th of November. It was Disney Plus Day last, last week. Very exciting day. How did you spend this hallowed day? I, I put out some milk and cookies for Walt's <laughs> frozen head, but sadly... Never came around. Never came around. They were oh. there. They were there in the morning, untouched. I spent Disney Plus Day trying to fix the audio on the Pilot TV podcast after you fucked up the desk. <laughs> Whoa! Hang on a fucking second. Wait a fucking second. A so bad, I missed it all. A bad workman blames his tools, James Dyer. You are my tool. Well, <laughs> good lord. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> now I think I know what happened to those anal beads. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Oh god. Yes, I was in an editing nightmare. I let Chris near the recording desk and it all went wrong. This is what happens when I go to Leeds, you see. It you all goes to shit. This is all going to be cut. Oh, of course. Of of course. I just assume everything I say no, gets it, cut. It, it may not be. It may not be cut because uh, I, have a, 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 I have evidence in my defense, which was last week's Empire podcast, which sounded perfect. And yet last week's Pilot TV podcast, mm. which was recorded after the fact, yes. after sounded you like been it in was the studio touching in, the buttons and twisting the knobs. And worked perfectly for me. So mm. I don't know why you did. You must have, mm. uh, you must have fucked it up. Beth, how did you observe Disney Plus Day? Uh, through the murderous, villainous eyes of Ben Travis, who was reporting for the website uh, and providing us with, with live updates. So it's you, the only way I want to receive any of my news. You weren't well. staying glued to Disney Plus? You didn't have it on in the in the background in case something interesting happened? Spoiler alert, nothing did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had an inkling. I felt like all the good news dropped, really. And, and I'd get it from the most reliable news source out there, the Empire website. Which is Ben so, Travis. Which mm, is Ben yeah. Travis. Um, so yeah, no, I just uh, I just caught up via his uh, his giddy... Giddy rundown of things. Spelled out in <laughs> severed limbs on our Instagram <laughs> channel. <laughs> A spidery serial killer scrawl. Dogs yes. on the walls of East London. Yeah. The John Doe's diary of uh, Empire News reporting. Uh, he's like the Zodiac. He may well be the Zodiac killer. We don't know. He's too we young. We don't know. <laughs> well, well, he looks too young. Yeah. But it could be like none of us know his real age. The exactly. nourishing qualities of, of blood. Mm. He could be like Jack McBriar and 30 Rock and being ageless, immortal, for all we know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. He could he's be poor Paul Rudd. He's the poet. Yeah. <laughs> I hope Ben does listen to this episode. <laughs> he will, of course, listen to this episode. You better hope he doesn't, otherwise that knocking on your window late at night could be the last thing you ever hear. Yep. I had the three floors up. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, so, Helen, how did you observe Disney Plus Day? Uh, in the usual manner? In, in the usual manner of, of seeing some tweets about it later. It wasn't a big deal this year, it felt like... Um, at all, it's it's lost its magic. It's, <laughs> its, magic. it's overly commercialized. It really now, is, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> I mean, also we couldn't see any of the footage, so yeah. we've we've just had to sort of read. And and again, this is where I do love that that Ben's voice does come through. I'm like lovingly scrolling through the page now, but because we couldn't see any of it, we just had to go off of descriptions. Mm. So I think that's mm. sort of we saw some footage. So, for example, okay, just to just to um actually go into some specifics. So there there were um there was lots of news about various Disney Plus shows that are going to be hitting over the next mm-hmm. year or so. Our interest focuses on the Star Wars stuff and on the Marvel stuff. And on the Star Wars and front, Willow. 
Hmm? And Willow. And Willow, obviously. <laughs> obviously. And Willow. obviously. Yeah, sorry, I don't even know why I omitted Willow. Uh, but Star Wars, they, they basically went, there's a show coming out, it's called Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Darth Vader's going to be in it. And it's like, well, we knew that. So I was a little disappointed that we didn't see tons of footage or any real footage <laughs> from that. We saw some behind the scenes stuff from Obi-Wan Kenobi, mm. and there was nothing from Andor. Or indeed the book of Boba Fett, or you know, so it's, it's, it's a whole different. But we did mm. see there's 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 tease that there's going to be a showdown between. And I mean, it is inevitable, but just to to sort of confirm that there is going to be a big showdown between Obi Wan and Darth Vader. There was some concept art that showed that in a very theatrical way, which was cool. And we saw mm. Hayden Christensen in battle mode, mm-hmm. sort of training. I'm just taking from it what what I can. I'm really excited about this series. So see, and I'm not. And I don't know why that is. I'm not, it's the cast for me. I think the cast is really great. Whereas Boba Fett has me slightly sceptical. I don't know. I just like, I've seen Obi-Wan and Darth Vader face off definitively. And this I, one has to end in a draw, right? Well, quite. So I just don't know what this has mm. to offer me at all. Look, I, I'm, I'm sure it'll be fun because I feel like they wouldn't have gotten Ewan McGregor for no reason. So I'm hoping that he has a, you know, a yeah. proper mission there a proper mm. you know purpose good, in life like, you know i do love him in that role so i'm 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 hopeful but like there was nothing to get excited about particularly in what they showed us and then on the mcu side of things mm. on disney plus day uh, there were first looks at a couple of things so we got a first look at uh, she hulk mm-hmm. so we got to see uh, what jennifer walters looks like as played by tatiana maslany mm-hmm. uh, and then we got to see a little glimpse of what she looks like as She-Hulk, all transformed and green and Amazonian-like. Uh, we also got to see Mark Ruffalo in that, both as Bruce Banner and Smart Hulk. Mm. And as I was watching these, the just a glimpse of Smart Hulk performing some sort of experiment on Jennifer Walters, in case you don't know Jennifer Walters, in is She-Hulk, she is Bruce Banner's cousin. And uh, canonically in the comics, she becomes She-Hulk after receiving a blood transfusion from Bruce Banner, and that turns her into She-Hulk, who is... Um, big and green and strong, but has control over her yeah. for the most mm-hmm. part. Anyway, control over her herself in the way that that Banner generally doesn't. Uh, but I was just watching the uh, the all CG character of Smart Hulk mm-hmm. in that show. We don't know how much he's going to be in it, but even so, I was looking at this going. There aren't many TV shows out there that have the budget to have an all CG photo real character. Yeah. And again, we've said this in the past about. WandaVision and Loki and and even Falcon and the Winter Soldier that there are sequences in that that other TV shows can't even begin to touch and the showrunners must be looking at that going oh for fuck's sake absolute bastards really seriously oh lord Uh, so we got a brief glimpse of that we got a brief glimpse at Miss Marvel as well which looks like could be a lot of fun and we got a first glimpse at Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight Mm. including a clip of what he may sound like Mm. (laughs) and what he may sound like is some sort of weird London-y person (laughs) I didn't didn't understand what was happening with that at all well what I think is happening with that Helen, if I may be so bold as to interject, is that he Mark? Who are you being? I'm yeah. being Mark Spector, the Moon Knight, mm-hmm. in it. Because <laughs> so, well. this is a guy who you know, it's not enough for him to have one pers- or two personas. Yeah. He's got, He's got three, three, canonically. three personas. Three. So three for a fiver, yeah. if you will. Yeah, three for a pound. Uh, so that's what. <laughs> I think it's happening with with Mark Spector. That's not his Mark Spector voice. That's probably his. His yeah. I think he's got he's got like a cabbie persona because he's got personality disorder in it. Anyway, I'm sure that would be sensitively and well dealt with. Um, <laughs> I, I look. I, I yeah. It's all happening. I, I, yeah. 
I'm sure these are all going to be fun and we're all going to enjoy them. But I just, you know, it would be nice to see a bit more than we a did. Bit more, a, a bit more, a bit more, a bit, a bit more. Uh, and then there were some shows that were announced, including Agatha, House of Harkness, Ooh. which is going to be a spin-off from WandaVision. Mm. They're which big itself, on the houses, aren't they? They are. They do like a house. Well, um, Game of Thrones is still having its effect, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so Agatha House of Harkness is going to star Catherine Hahn, who was last seen, of course, in WandaVision. House of Harkness. We've got the Book of Boba Fett. What's next? Mm-hmm. Books and houses are not the same. Though, no, they're not very. They're not really very similar. <laughs> no, the like encapsulating nouns for mm. each yeah. of these shows. You know, I want to see the thermos flask of Obi Wan Kenobi or mm. whatever it is they're going to come up with. Well, what's in between a house and a book? And a book, a bookshelf. You know, Maybe. A, mm-hmm. an office. A an office. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I do um, love a billy book. Is House of Harkness? Do we think a, a riff on House of M? In some way, I don't know how it would be. But it might might be leading up to is maybe there a, a tr- attempt, another attempt to change reality. To oh you lord, know. maybe a preview. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've, I, she made a great impact in that show, mm. but I'm not sure that that's enough to warrant her own show. But we shall see. Uh, speaking of people who um, have already warranted her own show, so Echo is going to be coming out. Mm. It's been announced as well. Now, Echo had been rumored to be a daredevil show in disguise but I don't think it is I think Echo is going to be a show starring a character called Echo who we will meet in Hawkeye ooh okay Echo Uh, versus the Bunnyman (laughs) (laughs) that I would see that I would definitely see (laughs) that'd be great if every every band like that suddenly became a first Florence versus the Machine Rudy versus the Blowfish Jerry versus the Pacemakers (laughs) you will walk alone motherfuckers oh wow I mean, if, if one of us had made that joke, I one feel like we us. would have gotten in trouble with you. Yeah, I know. It's okay for me to make okay, that joke. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, anyway, yes. So there's, lo- I mean, just, and, and also announced was What If Season 2, and there were other animated shows, Helen's Favorites, Marvel Zombies. Zombies. For fuck's sake. Uh, and what else was, was announced? X-Men, X-Men animated X-Men... series, though. That's cool. X-Men 97. That yeah. is something I could never have predicted was going to come out of this. That was a, a proper surprise. I'm happy about that one. Yeah, that. which yeah. is, a, a, a guess, a return to the classic X-Men cartoon with That one. If only we had the kazoos. <laughs> sure, that's not even the first time I've heard that from. I did a radio show with him on Woman earlier this week, and he did exactly the same thing. But oh, on his it's own. iconic. It's oh, iconic. It's so an good. iconic theme tune. So good. It's what we remember. It is. Uh, Spider-Man Freshman Year is also going to be an animated show. Mm. So yeah, okay. Looking at it now, it, it felt like a lot of announcements, but actually, it's not that many. And Willow, there was a very charming thing where Warwick Davis introduces the supporting cast. And it's cute. It's very cute, including Tony Revolori and uh, Aaron Kellerman. Kellyman, sorry. So I'm excited. Look, I'm excited. I'm allowed to be excited about Willow without getting are. death stares yeah. from my colleagues. Not, it's a stare of, I'm, I feel sorry for you. Well, you shouldn't, because <laughs> Willow is a stare. It's a pity stare. I'm not saying Disney Plus Day was entirely upstaged by Taylor Swift's 10 minute version of All Too Well, but it was. 
just <laughs> I think the lesson to be learned <laughs> the lesson to be learned is just never have a relationship with Taylor Swift because yeah. you, or she will you, sing about you for yeah, 10 minutes on national television you will, you will find out what you did wrong <laughs> yeah. 10 years like, give imagine. her back the scarf Jake give her back the scarf <laughs> hey do you want to go see Eternals tonight no Taylor I'm, I'm oh and then suddenly you have a vision of 10 years from now she, there's a song release where she goes I wanted to see Eternals but you were eternally the asshole he said no and it's just like Mike Taylor of, of Acacia Avenue it's like, oh god uh, yes yes Taylor let's go see Eternals why not I hear great things great things uh, <laughs> yes because that's, that's advice I need to remind myself of Chris never enter into a relationship with Taylor Swift <laughs> as, if, as if that is an option oh, open to me must, must must on she's outside the office again you know? <laughs> what is she doing like today to do list buy milk buy eggs do not enter into a relationship with Taylor Swift Taylor look I've said no just let it, let it go let it go move on oh dear anyway so Taylor Swift wrote that song possibly about Jake Gyllenhaal nobody knows for hey, sure. no one knows for sure Jake Gyllenhaal of course could have played Spider-Man in Spider-Man 2 had Tobey Maguire dropped out and mm. didn't and years later played Mysterio in Spider-Man Far From Home which is my way of saying that there was a trailer this week for Spider-Man No Way Home I see what you did there Really did. Mm. Yeah. 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 It was a, it was a very, I tailored that swiftly. Oh, no. Anyway, um, there was a trailer and um, it, it g- gave away a few things without giving away some other things we think. That we think might, we have, think yeah. might be happening. Yeah. Um, it gave me a whole new uh, theory about one thing that might happen in the film. I oh, think. Really? Well, yeah, the one I said in the chat the other day that I don't want to, in case it's a spoiler. Oh well, well, we're we're going to do a thing after we're this. We're going to do a thing after this. We'll talk about that there. But um, but yeah, it 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 you know it had some spectacle. It had some it had some scale. It had some humor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty good trailer, I think. It was fun, and it didn't sacrifice the charm of the the kids, mm. which is what I, as someone who's not like diehard Marvel, <gasps> is something. I know. I'm sorry. I'm kind of close to the door. Because I'm not diehard on it, the real appeal for this was the charm of of Zendaya and Tom Holland, and they get to have some real fun with this. There's a cracking line where Zendaya's like, "I know a few magic words of my own, starting with the word please." And I just thought Super. I'm going to bank yeah. that for when James. I just know I'm going to need it in the foreseeable future. For when James full when stop. <laughs> I resent that. For I resemble James. that remark. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> see, see, it was fun despite Tom Holland stating on the record that this film would not be fun. Um, so that was that was interesting. I still have concerns. I am so hopeful for this because God knows I feel like I need some some Spider-Man funness in my life. But uh, I I I have. I have a few a few worries that the whiff of the Sony verse is going to overpower the MCU goodness. Was the original subtitle <laughs> <laughs> the whiff of Sony verse? <laughs> I just yeah, a little bit concerned. But 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 every day is Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and I am uh, naturally very excited anyway. I'm. Yeah. Uh, it's the movie I'm most excited about in December, and considering that December includes. The Matrix Resurrections and um, West Side Story and West Side Story, yes, mm-hmm. is is saying something. <laughs> we, we've had three and musical and the festive special that is Titan is also coming out. Oh I my think god, Boxing Day or something. That's right. Yeah, well, nothing says Christmas like Titan. <laughs> in fairness, it is. You know, out with the I old, in with the really fucking new. Favorite film, you know, <laughs> Ben Travis's film of the year. Hey, you can't say nasty things about Ben Travis on the podcast, Beth Webb. Yeah, we will fight you in here. Depend on it. We invite you in here, and you're meant to be gracious to to Ben. Lovely Ben, hasn't heard a fly. <laughs> you were the one who called him a serial killer. Was I? 
I don't remember. Shirking, shirking <laughs> responsibility in a panicked. Anyway, uh, very, yes. very specific there that he hasn't hurt a fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm excited about this. We are going to be doing a, a slightly deep dive into that new trailer after we finish recording this week's episode. You mentioned The Matrix. What did you make of the Christmas poster? It, it really does look like Keanu Reeves now identifies as a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> and I support him in this as yeah. I do in all his endeavours. It's, oh, it's, it really does. It's quite special. Um, <laughs> and that beautiful face is just the star on the top. Oh, isn't it though? <sighs> love it. Absolutely love it. But, I mean, I, I think that um, Morpheus, we're just calling him Morpheus now, right? I yeah. guess yeah. we yeah. are. I mean, yeah. that, that's yeah. a lot of look. Yes, it, it, but it is very seasonal. It's very Christmassy. I, I'm, I'm feeling it. It's a bit wonkery, isn't it? It's it, a bit wonky. It is a bit wonky. Yeah, I love it. It's kind of like a salmon and turquoise combo, and I'm, I'm here for. Are it. we calling that salmon? That's more of a maroon from our own. Oh yeah, it's, it's not darker maroon. than a salmon. I mean, oh. yeah, but it's okay. It's probably not a salmon, but it's definitely, it's definitely not maroon. Not... It's more of a. It's a. It's a kind of a. It's a deep pink. A fuchsia. I'm well, we can tell yes. a fuchsia maybe. A fuchsia's maybe a bit bright for this. It's, I don't know. I'm going Does with fuchsia. Have a Pantone pad it's with it's them? a lot closer to fuchsia than salmon. Though. You're a lot closer to fuchsia than salmon. <laughs> Thank you. That's hey, a compliment. Go fuchsia yourself. Yeah, with sort of a turquoise lining. It's it's a beautiful look. The only thing. I'm unsure of is there's there's a, a tiny person at the back, <laughs> a little wee. I'm not sure who that is. A little wee one. Because you've got Jessica Henwick with the red hair on the right. You've got Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah. You've got Keanu, and then Who's got in the blue between, hair? who's got the blue hair? That's Jessica Henwick. You said red. You said red hair. I didn't say red hair. Did you I? did say red hair. So red hair, red hair blue hair. You, you're not <laughs> sure it. which one to take. That's it. That's it. Wrong pill. Uh, blue hair. Very much blue hair. Definitely not red hair. But yeah, who is in between? Neo that's and a good point. What if Neo we was colorblind? Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> then we wouldn't have the Matrix, would we? He'd just pop back to his job and that'd be the end of the day. But I'm just saying, what if he took... The... By accident. Yeah. yeah, and he woke up and he's like, what the fuck is this? Maybe wow. he did. Maybe what happens he did? if you take both pills? Maybe he was going for the blue pill yeah. and accidentally swallowed the red pill. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. Actually, looking at this poster and the way they're all standing, the five of them, it does look like the Tom Cruise ranking lineup for tomorrow. <laughs> As in today. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. As in today, tickets are still available, picturehouses.com or available on the door. I'm pretty sure Amon has a suit similar to that. So mm, That I don't doubt. <laughs> oh God, he's going to be well dressed, isn't he? Of course I'm, he oh, is. Oh, he's already. He's he's he went shopping and showed me some. Um, he went shopping. He went shopping. It was Chris, adorable. did you go shopping for tomorrow night's outfit? No, you'd be lucky if I changed my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, please change sure. your pants. <laughs> um, Anywho, one last thing to talk about, or maybe just other things. The fifth movie in the Predator franchise mm-hmm. we oh, thought yes. was going to be called Skulls directed by Dan Trachtenberg and a little bit more information about it came out last week it's going to be coming exclusively to Hulu Hulu Hello Hello Hulu, Hulu, Hulu. during <laughs> sub- summer 2022 and uh, we don't have Hulu over here so God knows how we're going to see it I'm it sure it'll be star. theatrically mm. a star Sometimes you think it'll star, be a star yeah. oh okay Stars. it's not called Skull it's called Prey Full and it's going to be Prey for Michael Sullivan Probably with an E yes. rather than with an A. Indeed. Difference. Uh, it's set, it's a prequel set in the world of the Comanche Nation 300 mm. years ago. It stars Amber Mid-Thunder and uh, she has to defend herself against a predator. Cool. So there you go. I'm very impressed that we got this far through news and James hasn't wittered on about Downton Abbey. I mean... <laughs> Downton on the Riviera. What's not to love? (laughs) 
I mean, I feel like at least two of those words, but okay. <laughs> I must admit, the cockles were warmed. I was quite excited when the old uh, new era Downton trailer came up. It can't just be me. Am I the only Downton head here? Don't you dare look at me. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, no. Some people were up in arms this week because it seems that Matthew Good, who obviously plays mm, um, no sign of him. Brigadier Moneybags, uh, <laughs> is not in the film. Yeah. He's not at all or he's not in the trailer? Well, he didn't he show up at the end of the last Downton? I think yeah, he was barely one, yeah. in the last film. So maybe he's yeah. doing the same thing again. Yeah. He's yeah. only just shows up at the end. That's not good. Yeah. Hey. <sighs> and then there were a couple of... Uh, oh, Ben Stiller is going to direct an adaptation of The Champions, which is a 1960s uh, kind of spy, superhero-y type thing. Mm-hmm. He and Kate Blanchett are going to star in it. And this is something that's been knocking around Hollywood for a long, long time. I think Chris McQuarrie was attached to this at one point uh, back in the, back in the day. So Ben Stiller and Kate Blanchett are going to star in that. Mm, Very cute. exciting. Yeah. Cool. I, I loved The Champions when I was growing up. It used to be on BBC Two, uh, 6pm on weekdays. I used to watch it. Very, very good stuff. Uh, and there were trailers this week as well. New trailer for Pixar's Turning Red, which mm-hmm. looks all kinds of cute. Super cute. Oh, so cute. And Adam McKay's Don't Look Up, which doesn't look cute. No. no. But it's about a giant meteoroid 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 it's, a, yeah. it's about a giant hemorrhoid destroying the earth and lots of people I would, kind I would of prefer, I would actually prefer to see that to be honest a giant hemorrhoid I'm, yeah mm. I mean maybe that's what Moonfall is we don't know oh my god <laughs> most anticipated film of 2022 yeah. I think isn't it in the Empire Offices maybe that's what happened to those anal beads um, oh no and then last but not least Baz Luhrmann posted the first look at his Elvis movie mm-hmm a little glimpse, a little glimpse, which seemed to kind of go through the years of Elvis, because I thought this was very, very much focused on one period of Elvis's life, but it doesn't seem to be. Yeah, it, it, it's, I mean, it's a guy's back, so. It's, it's a guy's back, but a guy's back, clearly that guy is going through different hairstyles and, co- and costume changes, oh, okay, which okay. indicate the different, the different eras gotcha. of Elvis. Yeah. Ah, exciting stuff. Is that it? Anything else we need to talk about? We're good? Nope. If not, we should have our second guest slash is on the podcast this week because Hawkeye is the latest MCU show on Disney Plus it launches on Wednesday Encanto Day uh, the 24th of November with a two episode flurry so you can see the first two episodes of that show the show stars of course Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton who comes to New York and gets mixed up in all kinds of shenanigans with a young fan slash Hawkeye wannabe called Kate Bishop played by Hayley Steinfeld uh, I've seen the first two episodes. Anyone else seen mm-hmm. the first two episodes? I have. It's good fun. Yeah, really good fun. It's good fun. Yeah. So, um, so they were in last week in London, Renner and Steinfeld, to promote the show. Naturally, I took the chance of jumping onto Zoom with them and having a good old natter about a great many things, including, of course, Rogers the Musical, which we get a glimpse <laughs> of <laughs> in the first episode it's of so Hawkeye. And it's amazing. Everything I wanted and more. <laughs> It's uh, it, yeah, I cannot wait to see the the whole thing because they they if they're smart, mm. they will do Rogers the musical and hopefully not be anything like Spider Man Turn Off the Dark. <laughs> Anywho, uh, yes, here we go. Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld, do please enjoy. We're delighted to be joined on the Amber Podcast by the stars of Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld. How are you both? So good. How oh, are great. you? Great. Good, good, good. Excellent, excellent. Uh, listen, I've got to talk about Rogers the musical first off because that thing. It bangs. It slaps. It does all. Ah. It does all the things. I want to see a full length, full on <laughs> Rogers the musical. You both sing. Would you be in it? 
Oh. <laughs> Maybe. Perhaps. If there's a part. Yeah. If there's a part, of course it's a part. We're building this whole thing around you. <laughs> them. Yeah, it's pretty great there, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Pretty, they, uh, they, went, they certainly uh, went above and beyond on making that, that, that uh, happen, didn't they? Yeah. And Jeremy, I'm guessing you weren't there for the whole thing. Were you? Did you? How much of it did you see when you were shooting that stuff the in the theater? <laughs> over and over again. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I just wanted to talk about you guys in particular because the show. Not to give too much away, but the show makes us wait a little bit for that Clint Kate relationship to start happening a partnership to start happening uh but when it does it's a blast did you how much time did you spend together before that you before you started filming in order to get that that banter well i mean i feel like that there's a lot of that that, that comes naturally there's, you know there's a lot of things we had to we were shifting for ourselves um from from the script to our own natural way to do it i mean i mean initially I mean, we, her and I were talking like, oh my, it was like monologues. So, you know, we, just, we, were, oh my we had to like slim down. Let's <laughs> hit the high notes on, on all of it. When both yeah, of our stuff yeah, were yeah. like, okay, we get what they're trying to say. And then how do we really say it how we want to say right, it? Right, right. Yeah. So I think we helped shift uh, some of the, the script and dialogue into what we were already naturally kind of feeling. And um, uh, so it wasn't about us like spending as much time as it was just sort of us believing what how, what we wanted and what we needed and how we can contribute it together and there's always we never had odds like Haley and i or you know even if our characters were like we were always allies to each other as actors to um to give as as, as honest a performance as we could you know but mm-hmm. most importantly it starts with i wanted to support her and what she needed to do and uh and same same for me so just put ourselves in an environment to uh, succeed it was it was always like my intention mm. I think instead of like spending, you know, a bunch of time together to, you know, <laughs> to get that chemistry. Yeah. You, you, it's just something yeah. you, you get on set. Yeah. Uh, Haley, what about yeah. yourself? How did you, how did you find that, that aspect of things? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I really couldn't have said it better myself. I think it came out of, I was very excited to uh, be joining this project. And I knew that if it was something Jeremy loved and was involved in, then it was going to be something great. And so I think right off the bat, we were, both on the same page as far as wanting this to be something equally as, as amazing um, as, as it could be. So uh, we just kind of jumped right into the deep end. It felt like. Because there's, there's a moment again, not to give too much away, um, it, but it's in the first five minutes where we see, we see young Kate Bishop you know, seeing Clint jump off the building in the first Avengers movie, which is, one of my favorite MCU moments. And you can kind of see that moment where you know, the hero worship begins. And Haley, I wanted to ask about, because you, you're, you've almost grown up alongside the MCU as has become this kind of juggernaut. So, you know, is this something you've been watching from afar? Is there, was there an element of almost hero worship yourself whenever this, this came about? Oh. Going, oh my God, I, can, I actually, you know, can join the MCU. That, yes, yes, please. Yeah, definitely, definitely have had those moments of surrealism. And I feel like I continue to have them because each day that goes by, you know, we're getting closer and closer to this thing coming out. It just all becomes much more real uh, every second that goes by. But um, yeah, that's, I mean, it's interesting looking at at that part of it where young Kate sees um, Hawkeye for the first time and, and in, you know, having my own experiences watching these films growing up and my own connections to them, it's, it's always so fascinating to me how everything is so delicately 
um, interconnected. And and I love that that's a part of Kate's story. Uh, Jeremy, do you remember doing that back in the first Avengers, leaping off the building backwards? <laughs> Obviously, you didn't leave off a building backwards. I presume you left off. Just yeah, I was at a soundstage in uh, yeah. Arizona and uh, New Mexico. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I remember very well. <laughs> Were you on some sort of, I don't know, some sort of uh, balcony or did you have a green screen mat or something to land in? Yeah, yeah it was a big giant uh, mat and there's like, you know, three story uh, scaffolding instead of jump off, spin around and the camera had to do all these weird things. Yeah, yeah. There's just, a, yeah, there's no wires on that one. I was just jumping into it. Was big, it not? Huh? You, you weren't on wires or anything? No, no. Because you, you can't be on a wire and do that spin. Yeah, fair enough, right. Pull the mm-hmm. arrow and yeah. all the things complicated. For sure. So we just did like a free fall <laughs> jump and put it on the big airbag thing. Crazy. Yeah, okay. yeah, I remember. Nailed so. the first time, I'm guessing? No, I think we did it like four or five times. Okay. All right. Excellent. Because uh, obviously the, the trailer for Hawkeye seems to suggest that there's a moment where both of you do that at the same time. So I'm wondering, has the technology improved what it was like doing this again for you both? I that on the first time. <laughs> oh, we did? It? Yeah. Did we? Yes, we did it once. <laughs> Fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, did we? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't, I mean, there's no, no difference in technology. That was a, that was a free fall. <laughs> was was it? A, yeah, we ran, remember? We jumped off the thing and... Thing. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, what do you mean? Was it? I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. We both did it. But Haley, as, as far as you're concerned, you did it first time. Yeah, no, we did. I promise you. <laughs> we did. <laughs> I just right. remember because I was actually so, like, you know, the, the, the timing and the spacing of it. Like, you know, I was nervous about getting it right, at least on the first try. And, I, you know, at least you have the luxury of like okay if we don't get it this time we'll go again but but we did we moved on yeah, anyway. <laughs> no worries. And, and and the bow aspect is that now all cg or do you still have to play around you know do you still have to factor that into your movements you have this big cumbersome bow and arrow that you have to somehow incorporate as well oh yeah no it's very much there yeah, yeah. yours collapses though at least <laughs> mine yeah. does not <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah it's there <laughs> <laughs> because I noticed, Jeremy, that there's not there's not a lot of Clint Bow action in the first couple of episodes, and uh, I, that which yeah. which is a deliberate thing. Uh, I know I spoke to Reese earlier on. Uh, you must have been fairly relieved about that. Um, I I don't know. It's kind of like you know a pacifier. Um, <laughs> it, it'd be probably easier if I if I could lean on that a little bit, but you know it's all right. <laughs> Fair enough. And going into this. When this was first mooted to you, was there anything that you particularly wanted to do with the character? Because, you know, we've seen we've seen Clint in a number of MCU films now, but mainly the Avengers films. So is there a sense that perhaps there's still kind of a clean slate? There's there's an unfinished story that you wanted to tell with this character? Uh, I think there's a lot of um, news stories that are, have, have kind of come up in this that the only thing that, 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 you know, if I ever wanted to continue anything was like, you know, obviously the family stuff, that's a huge part of, of, of Clint. And that's a big proponent in, in this story and everything else, you know, if we could take off from there, it's uh, just new characters. And then I like the, the world as well. Um, it's a very practical, pragmatic sort of environment, you know, it's New York Christmas mm-hmm. that I thought was really interesting. And then there's, you know, the things storytelling wise, you know, um, you'll find out in the next couple, couple, couple few episodes, 
things that I was really hoping that we they would put in. You know, it's not unlike like you mentioned, like the the, the Rogers musical. You know, I'm like this had, definitely has to go in the show. This is pretty amazing, and um, it's just it's things that intimate. You know, it's th- th- those type of things I thought were, were really fascinating, and there's there's more of those type of things to come. I think. Interesting. And and Haley, obviously you're coming to this from the other other angle where you're you're building Kate Bishop from the ground up. I mean, it's been so fun to be, I mean, responsible for for bringing this character that's is so loved um to life. And I've had the the privilege of doing it with some amazing people, um, from Reese to Burton Birdie and even with Jeremy, just finding the the dynamic between her and Clint and, and the, that banter and the um, uh, just, just, you know, finding who she is and, and um, her energy and what she stands for and, and where she sort of falls in all of this madness. Um, it was an ongoing, uh, you know, series of discoveries being made. Um, I think she's great. I feel very lucky to play her. What was your starting point? Did you both look at the, uh, and this isn't an adaptation obviously of that classic Matt Fraction run, but did you both, Look at that for inspiration. Yeah, I mean, the, the fun part about doing something like this is you, you do have so much to to grab onto if you're you know, willing to, to go into it. Um, and we had that that Matt Fractions run, which is so awesome. And that banter is so there that I think we ultimately found um, and, and other bits of information that you can, you know, if you dig deep enough, you can find. So, yeah. Uh, Haley, was your first day uh, a day with, with Jeremy? Or were you yes. Hawkeye free? Oh, it was okay. That's good. <laughs> Hawkeye free? No, I was not uh, Hawkeye free for the majority of this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there he is, just looking yep. across. There he is again. Yep, that's him. That's him. Uh, so, what was that? What was that day like? Uh, it was quite surreal, I will say. Um, I I definitely had a moment where I saw him in costume for the first time, and it was a lot leading up to that first day, that first moment, that first take, of course. So by the time you get there, you're just like, okay, I can finally breathe. But then you go to start and you're like, oh my God, I suddenly forgot how to breathe again. Um, And I saw him in wardrobe and I was like, this is, this is crazy. And we had the pizza dog there and I'm running around with my bone arrow and uh, bone arrows. And it just was a wild thing and and very exciting. But um, yeah, that was my first day <laughs> and jeremy what did you do uh, on that first day how did, how did you how did you put Haley at ease uh i i don't know did i <laughs> yeah I, I, that first it wasn't in new york mm-hmm. yeah that was chaos <laughs> that was chaos and another yeah it was like it was the most difficult <laughs> thing you know because the, the paparazzi's nuts and the thing we had zero zero control of what was going on mm-hmm. couldn't hear each other it was oh, it was a very wordy scene and I'm still trying to figure out what these words are meaning. I was like, "What's going on?" Um, yeah, I, yeah, I was. Uh, I, I, I just, it was a struggle day. That was a, that was a very difficult first. That was a very difficult first day. All right. So Haley, yeah. how did you put Jeremy at ease? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, no, I mean it definitely it definitely was a lot. That's what I said. It was there was a lot leading up to that yeah. moment, and so getting there, and and that, that I kind of forgot about not being able to hear each other. That yeah. was. <laughs> An issue. Yeah, and long where you seen walk and talk and all the paparazzi yeah, and, the, and yeah, the dog yeah, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the oh, semantics in that. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> like whenever she stopped talking, like I guess it's my turn to start talking. Yeah, it was yeah, it was a weird, it was a weird sort of you know, first day uh a uh, shooting. Cause yeah, yeah it was there was a lot going on that had nothing to do with what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> 
Still a nice platform on which to build. Um, I've got you guys go in a second, but there's there's a moment in this first episode where Clint is bothered for a selfie whilst he's in a public uh, restroom. So, which got me thinking, you know, you guys, what's the weirdest places you've ever been asked for selfies? That's that happens in real life. That's the restroom show. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, that's hundred percent. Every oh time, every and- time. It's it's a weird thing. It's always weird, right? It's just always a weird thing. I'm going to just put the cell phone away. It's not appropriate, but it's from a son. Sir, just put the phone away. Still, just put the phone away. You're not thinking clearly. (laughs) Just just take a step back. And Haley, what about yourself? Uh, Well, I don't don't think I can beat that. (laughs) I don't know that I can. You don't want to. No, No. I don't. I really don't. That's it. That is it. Fantastic. Well, on that note, on that bombshell, <laughs> guys, <laughs> I'm glad to go. It's been a pleasure. Hayley, Jeremy, thanks so much. Thank Steve. you. Thank you. Thanks, Cheers. Okay, so that was Jeremy Renner and Hayley Steinfeld. And Hawkeye, as I said, begins its six-episode run on Disney Plus as of Wednesday, November 24th. And as has become tradition with the MCU Disney Plus shows, we will be doing weekly spoiler specials. So the first one of those will be up every Thursday. So they'll be up the day after the episode airs. So our first one is going to be up on Thursday of next week, which is the 25th. Thank you. There you 25th go. of November. I'm getting there slowly but surely. Uh, we will also have a special edition of the podcast, a special interview with the director of the first two episodes of the show and indeed the last episode as well, Reese Thomas. So I spoke to him about those two show, those two episodes. It's not a spoiler special, so it's going to go up on the regular feed. So check that out next Thursday as well. Okay, time now to talk about the movies that are going to be taking up your time on the multiplex and the sofaplex this weekend. There's really only one place to start, and that is, of course, with Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is Jason Reitman's homage, I guess, Mm. to his father's work. Ivan Reitman, of course, directed both Ghostbusters movies in 1984 and 1989, and now the son has taken over the family business. Uh, And this one is interesting in Mm. that it takes us away from the Ghostbusters comfort zone, but also kind of doesn't. Yeah. How's bells? Sure. Yeah, so this is the story of Callie, uh, played by Carrie Coon, and her children, who move to a dilapidated house in the middle of absolutely nowhere um, after her estranged father dies. And wouldn't you know it, her father was Egon. So there is a connection now to... Now gone. Oh, yeah. I mean, it feels too soon, but yes, he and is now Egon gone. is an anagram of gone. Thank you. So... Um, she and her two children, who are Trevor, played by Finn Wolfhard of Stranger Things, nonsense, and Phoebe, <laughs> played by McKenna Grace. <laughs> and Phoebe basically starts digging into this family history and realizes that something very strange is going on. And with the help of her summer school te- teacher, played by Paul Rudd, sexiest man alive, um, she starts to investigate and try and find out what's happening. This relies very, very heavily on nostalgia, even though it is in a completely different setting and a completely different environment than we've seen from the Ghostbusters before. It feels very much of a piece. There's something about the energy that feels similar in a weird way. And maybe because uh, Phoebe herself is quite 
an Egon-esque character. She's a bit socially awkward. She's a bit odd. She's off in her own little world sometimes. She makes friends with a podcaster, for God's sake. Mm. So, you know, she's she's a bit unusual. Um, he, <laughs> by the way, is super duper charming. Um, and they all start sort of investigating what's going on and to the point where you just want to focus on these kids. And I think one of the mistakes that the film makes is kind of moving away from them a little bit in the, in the last act because I think they're super, super charming. Especially her. I could have lived without Trevor. He's fine. He's fine, but yeah. he's not really important. He's Whereas not. I think Phoebe is absolutely magnetic and wonderful and and just fun and things. clever. Um, so so yeah. So I just felt felt like sometimes this loses its focus when it tries to stick too close to the original model, and and maybe it would have been better just having that framework and having that you know that idea of we're in a world where the Ghostbusters existed and they've kind of been forgotten about, but they are there in the background and they're you know that maybe would have been enough. Um, mm. And then just combine it with the right kind of energy that this film has, but but kind of move us a bit further away from it than they actually end up doing. Mm. This this for me has big Force Awakens energy mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that it's quite safe to a certain extent, and it treads a lot of the same ground, and it goes for the same emotional winds. But because of that, it evokes the same warm and fuzzy feeling in a way that uh, you know Paul Feig's. Ghostbusters did not because it went for a totally different tone and I think the thing with this is like the comedy it's funny but the comedy doesn't there's a joke about a hamster which actually destroyed me but uh, it's funny without the comedy taking over like it is a kind of a comedy horror I think it's a bit younger than the original Ghostbusters maybe but I really enjoyed it and I didn't necessarily expect to I had a really really good time with it I think I think McKenna Grace is genuinely outstanding in this like completely brilliant and actually sort of carries the whole thing still the show 100 and i think logan kim as podcast also really really <laughs> oh funny dropped some spectacular one-liners i was yeah. really so worried about fun. him i have to say because i'd read the empire review before i i hadn't read anything about mm. this film and i read the empire review and said uh phoebe teams up with a young podcaster called podcast and i thought oh that's 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 the kind of that's a very very middle-aged man's approach to how kids might see themselves <laughs> you know move over granddad past the Worthers and mm-hmm. I was a bit worried about how that kid was going to play but he's really fun he's and, really yeah. lovely and yeah. refreshing and cookie and funny and yeah I loved whenever we're with we're with them it's great yeah. when we're with Trevor less less, less great, great. Less and, great. And, and I think Lucky which is Celeste Connor's character is uh, underserved uh, oh, very to much, a yeah. very large degree you forget that she exists I think yeah, pretty much, yeah. and film. so does the film for indeed, a, a couple indeed. of times yeah. but it, it is a lot of fun Carrie Coon is of course brilliant in absolutely mm-hmm. everything she does mm-hmm. um, and yeah I, it, it made me feel warm and fuzzy and made me want to really just watch Ghostbusters again <laughs> as well like it, it, it genuinely did that um, so mm. given that this has had a bit of a shall we say a mixed reception mm. uh, I think people have been a bit harsh I think it's lovely lovely little film yeah, I thought it was lovely too. I, I, I had the warm and fuzzies all the way through it. There's there's a moment towards the end, which actually we'll talk about because mm. we're doing a spoiler special for this. I interviewed Jason Wright before it and uh, uh, we'll be doing that. It'll be out in the next couple of weeks or so. And um, there's a moment in this I don't want to give away, but it actually unexpectedly moved me. Yeah, it's really emotional. Which Ghostbusters, I mean, I love Ghostbusters, but Ghostbusters is not a movie that gets you in the feels, whereas Ghostbusters Afterlife is and does. Yeah, I think that's fair. So, mm. I yeah I thought I thought it was it's interesting that you, how closely it hues to the mm. mythology that is set up by the first movie. And I don't want to get too much into it. Some people think it's cynically nostalgic. There, there, I get yeah, that, there's but. an element I think of of that that I felt from it. Like it, not not cynicism on the part of necessarily of the makers, you know, because I think there is something very personal for Jason Reitman mm. here. But just mm. that you know it it 
again, without getting into spoilers, this does kind of call for more movies at the end. You know, there is a post credit scene and you're a bit like, oh, we're, we're doing that with everything now. Mm. You know, and I w- that, that kind of took away from it a little bit for me. I, 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 like I say, I really enjoyed a lot of this, but there are elements where I'm like, have the confidence to move away from just relying on nostalgia for our emotional and our mm. comedy beats and give us something genuinely new. And I think this is strongest when it does something new and it's weakest when it when it over relies on what's gone before. I agree with that. And there's a lot of stuff we can get into in the spoiler special that we can't really get mm. into here about that and about the power of nostalgia and about whether this is perhaps a film that might have benefited from having more Ghostbusters films to riff on. Mm. It always feels weird to me because people seem to think, people think they have this this memory in their heads. Um, maybe it's Mandela effect. I don't know what it is. But they, they tend to look back on Ghostbusters 2 and think it was a failure. It wasn't a failure. It was a big hit. It wasn't Ghostbusters-sized hit, but it certainly wasn't a flop. It was in that great summer of 1989 where, you know, one of the greatest summers ever. You know, Batman and Lethal Weapon 2 and Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade and Dead Poet Society and Ghostbusters 2. These were huge, huge movies. So why they didn't make a Ghostbusters 3, 4, 5, 6 after that, I'm still not entirely sure. Dan Aykroyd certainly had lots of ideas for Ghostbusters 3, but it just never seemed to get off the ground. And then it just, maybe it was Bill Murray just didn't want to do it, and you can't really do a Ghostbusters movie with the original cast without Bill Murray, I would say. So perhaps there's a n- numerous reasons why we never got a Ghostbusters 3. But I would argue that perhaps you would have had, you, you would have benefited from a widening of the mythology before you returned so, so specifically to the well of the first movie with this one. And again, yeah. I don't want to get too much into it, but, uh, you know, we, we've seen the little mini Dave Puff Marshmallow men toying with Paul Rudd. We've seen that clip. So there's things like that that run all the way through this movie. But that said, I still thought it was very, very funny. Uh, the characters got me. Um, and there, there are really powerful moments here, but we do see Ghostbusters paraphernalia and Ghostbusters iconography used in new and interesting ways. Ecto-1 gets to be used in a way that we've never seen it be used before. And, uh, all that sort of stuff worked for me. And of course, there's a layer going on here, as you mentioned there, Helen, of this being quite personal to Jason Reitman for many, many reasons. It's about, it's about a child taking ownership of the family business in a way, isn't it? That's <laughs> it essentially is, what it yeah. is. And yeah. that's what he's doing with this. Yeah. Uh, he is someone who, through, who throughout his career has made films that are the, the complete antithesis of this movie. Almost to say, I'm not my dad as a director. Not that that is a bad thing because Ivan Reitman made some great, great films. But now he's kind of going, you know what? I've made my peace with that and I'm going to show that I can play in my dad's sandbox and be completely comfortable with what, what that says about me as a person mm. as well. Uh, we gave this four stars. I have seen reviews of this. I thought particularly churlish and nasty reviews um, mm, that weren't necessarily, there was one review particularly in The Guardian that wasn't, I don't think reviewing the film is reviewing the experience of watching the film. Um, but I thought, it was, I thought it was great. I was completely charmed by it. Four stars. Four stars then for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Should we stay with the supernatural to an extent and talk about the new film from Celine Siama, which is, of course, Petite Maman. Mm. Little Maman. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well done, GUA. Yep, thank you. Yep. The Wi Fi ne mosh pas and uh, Petite Maman. They're the two things I've learned on Duolingo. Uh, so the last time we saw Celine Siama as a director, she was doing Portrait of a Lady on Fire. This is not quite that, Isabeth. No, it is a departure, but in the most wonderful way possible. And I will be interested to see what people make of this because, I mean, her whole body of work has essentially been, I, I use the term loosely, but it has been coming of age films. Mm-hmm. But but with this wonderful, it's something I really love about uh, Sinise Giamma and what 
what I'll get into with this is how she makes films for young people and with young people in mind rather than about them. And that's essentially been what her body of work is right up until Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which was this huge international hit, um, got a lot of eyes on it. Uh, and then she's she's not gone back to that necessarily. I wouldn't see it as a step backwards, but she's she's branched off now to do this very small production, um, which she shot during COVID, about a little girl called Nellie and her mother's mother passes away right at the beginning of the film and they go back to her grandmother's house to do the things you have to do after a family member passes away the mother's taking it very badly and departs she has to to go away and take some time apart which leaves Nellie and her father to um do the work at the house and then Nellie she finds uh, another little girl who's also eight years old called Marion and they become very, very close friends. And then I suppose it's not really a spoiler to no, not say. It's not a spoiler to say that it is her mother embodied in this little eight-year-old um, and they become best friends. And this film is just magical. As I say, very small production. It takes place almost entirely in the grandmother's house in the surrounding woods. It's a very beautiful autumnal palette that they use in this. Very timeless as well. Helen yeah. mentioned in you mentioned in your review, you couldn't place this necessarily to to a year. I mean, the costumes and there's there's no screens or anything like that. It's very, very charming, um, sort of analog style. And it's about this blossoming friendship with this wonderful context of intergenerational friendship and love with just a dash of kind of magical realism in it that is mm. not really genre in any way. It's so light of touch and the fabric of this is so ingrained in the emotions of these two little girls becoming connected. Mm -hmm. It's a joyful, joyful film that I think would sit well with anybody, but I think especially given that we're watching it off the back of a pandemic, where I'm sure a lot of people, uh, myself included, are coming out of this having lost a family member and to sit and watch something so uh, driven by grief and a love of family. Because as well, Sinskiyama, she, she made this off the back of losing a grandmother. Mm. And it is just written in such an erudite, emotive respectful way as I say that's something I always love about it she always she, you can almost imagine her getting down on her knees and talking to these little girls face to face on the right level asking what they should be doing that day and it really plays across in the performances which are incredibly nuanced and and effortless mm. and playful but not without this very sweet uh serious core you know it touches on depression in a way where it's very present but beautifully articulated it looks gorgeous it has all the trappings of what makes her films beautiful the cinematography a very light score the costumes are gorgeous as well uh just just a really beautifully fully formed masterpiece mm. and i don't i don't like to check that word out I, but I, I genuinely think it's the case here yeah yeah it's stunning it's and the two little girls um they're actually uh, sisters, uh, Josephine Sons and Gabrielle, um, are are stunning, and I think that that you know that that existing relationship obviously gives them a, a comfort and an ease with each other, means that their performances feel absolutely natural at all times, and 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 I love the way that they just don't question anything; they just kind of go with it. There's a moment where you see Nellie sort of absorb the fact she kind of realizes, and you see a, a moment of her absorbing what's happening, and then she's like, "All right." And then just goes on with it. And they, you know, they go back and forth essentially in time to each other's houses, which is the same house. And there's no, 
there's no time travel. There's no button. There's no machine. There's no doorway. There's no gate. There's nothing. There's just hmm. they go for a walk in the woods and then they go to another place. And it's and it's so beautifully done. I just like it. It just strips out all of the trappings and just takes what's necessary and what's kind of pure about this idea of what if your mother was your age and you got the chance to really get to know each other. It's lovely, absolutely magical film. Mm-hmm. And can I just say as well, crucially, 72 minutes long. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I Most mean, television shows aren't that short these days, <laughs> true. to be fair. It is such a joy. And this is what I mean. She just she just knows when to stop. Mm-hmm. She's not a, a filmmaker of excess. Even even Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is a you know a period drama, it's got the costumes, but that mm-hmm. is so starkly mm-hmm. portrayed. And really, the the focal point is just the emotions, just those relationships, and how you know through the lens of each other, through looking at each other, and and with this, it's slightly different. It kind of plays out through this wonderful moments where they're playing with soup and it's disgusting but it is the kind of thing you do as a kid yep. you know where you're you're taking a mouth of soup and spitting it out together and the kind of gleefulness of the two of you doing that behind your mother's back and you know playing out the woods and, and reenacting plays you know just charming little activities that just speak so much louder than a long run time or you know just plot devices yep. anything like that mm-hmm. it's elegant yeah, she's got this fantastic ability, hasn't she? Because she also wrote uh, My Life as a Courgette or mm-hmm. Zucchini, depending on where you live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, wrote and tried the girlhood as well. So she's got this incredible, I think, ability to connect to the, the young people, as the you young, say. The, the young, young people. The youth. The young, the, the youth. The youth. Uh, yeah, this is a tremendous film. Tremendous film. Five stars and perhaps six because it's 72 minutes long. So the first <laughs> film... Uh, is it a film if it's 72 minutes long we had this discussion with hosts didn't we which is less than an hour um, but yeah yeah, 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 I'm, I'm yeah, gonna say, it yeah screw yeah. it yeah it's a yeah. film it's a film fuck you it's a film uh, five stars five stars then for Petite Maman Louis-Fille oh, <laughs> you did not eat the Wi-Fi <laughs> oh James the oh, Wi-Fi is not working ne marche pas I'm wifi. sure he said ne mange pas he did not no. say ne mange pas ne mange pas je veux manger Louis-Fille I want to eat the Wi-Fi. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna. I'm spending Christmas in France, and uh, with with people who can actually speak French, and that's going to be really interesting and eye-opening because I still I have real problems still uh, comprehending. Je ne comprends pas. So it's going to be tough. I can't because they speak so fast Mm. and their grammar is Yoda-ish. Go in with that. It I is. think that's a yeah. great way. It's great to be Yoda. It's very good to be Yoda. It's it's wonderful. But they put words where they have no earthly business being. It's, it's what I'm saying. So it's hard to for me to discern that. So or Bruce darn it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna figure that out in real time. Bon chance. Mm-hmm. Mm, show you Noel. Uh, so yeah, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun for me. Fun, fun for everyone. Anyway, five stars in for Petite Maman. You're damn uh, right. Next up, Nick. What? Cinq étoiles. Cinq étoiles. You know. étoiles. I'm just like I'm just agreeing Cinq with my own review. Pour le film qui s'appelle Petite Maman. Uh, now, oui. Helen, King Richard. Le roi Richard. Yes, ah, exactly. Please do the entire review uh, in oui, French. Oui, oui. Not Smith de Will. Smith de Will. Yes, that is oh, what the French call him. My actual god. King Richard, Helen. Will Smith, yes. Uh, so he stars as Richard Williams, um, who has what seems like a very quixotic plan to raise not one but two of his daughters to become ch- tennis champions. Uh, they're played by Sonia Sidney and uh, Demi Singleton. And 
So you've got this guy in Compton with very limited financial resources, with uh, three older daughters to provide for, he and his wife both working around the clock. And yet any moment he has, any spare moment he has, he's in country clubs uh, collecting old used tennis balls. He is hustling uh, rich people, frankly, any rich people he can meet uh, to get them to sponsor his daughters. And he is training his daughters to follow this 78-page plan that he wrote before they were born to make them into champions. Now, on one hand, it is my instinct with a film like this to go, oh, wow, somebody's made a biopic about... Venus and Serena, two of the greatest tennis players of all time, and they find a way to make it about a man. The greatest compliment I can give this film is that it just about justifies that decision and that it really does kind of explain Richard's importance to their careers and Richard's like, you know, weirdness as a person and and, and how this dream looked to everyone around him at the time and the the kind of the obstacles he faced both, you know, internally and externally, um, the people, basically gangbangers in the neighbourhoods, kind of threatening them on court almost. You've got uh, the absolute refusal of the tennis world to take him or his daughter seriously until really forced to do so by their extraordinary talent. And just, just a lot packed into to the film actually you know it's it's a lot more dense and a lot more thoughtful i think than i might have expected of this and i think it does make the case that this guy's weird dream for these literally unborn children came true and and how strange is that and how bizarre is that and what does that say about not just them but also him and i think it it does make the case for um for yeah his importance but but the two girls i mean um sydney and and singleton i think give magnificent performances as as both young girls and and sort of Venus and Serena themselves were producers on the film so you know that this is the story mm. they presumably want to tell they're happy with telling and I think th- there might be a little bit of sanitization in a few places but at the same time it doesn't feel hagiographic it doesn't feel one note it feels like a genuinely fascinating story that deserves to be told Oscars ahoy Beth I imagine so, just based on the the kind of top line of the film alone. But this is the best I've seen Smith in a while. Mm. Um, and what I really like about this, because as you say, it's, it's pretty weird. He's a weird man. He's a flawed man. Mm-hmm. And it's good that Smith, who is like, he's one of the great American dads, isn't he? He's this charismatic, you know, would probably pop you up on his shoulders if he could uh, kind of guy. But he eschews that charisma and he really does work to embody the flaws and the the questionable enthusiasm of this man who you know they have the police called on them because they're they seem to be too tough on their children there's you know there's hard graph there he's tough he's a tough man and I'm glad as well that they yeah they do make sure to show those flaws it's something I really stir at when I see that there's you know it comes on the authority of the subject so I feel like with Rocket Man you basically could feel Elton John breathing over the film whereas it's not the case here and if anything it serves the film well by as you say just about justifies why we have got the story through this man's point of view and then we do have these two really wonderful charming performers mm. as the sisters um but there's the the takeaway is obviously Will Smith and I think yeah best thing I've seen him in 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 a minute so yeah. I would I would be surprised if we don't see that so the film was uh directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green mm-hmm. who was meant to be a guest on this week's podcast but we couldn't quite get that interview over the line but uh, good job from him 
I think so. I think he. I think he's. You know, he's got the subtlety, as I say, to bring in all these different ideas. You know, the the way that the authorities, as Beth mentioned, when when they're the police are called on them and, and social services are called on them mm-hmm. um, for their for their kids, the way that they interact with the with the family. It's, it's like racism is a background hum in the movie. He's mm-hmm. not hitting you over the head with it, but it's yeah. absolutely ever present and it hangs over their career prospects and it hangs over the way that everybody reacts to them. But he doesn't, you know, he also takes the time to to re- look really seriously at the idea of, you know, young children in sports and, and whether it's safe and whether it's advisable in any way yeah. for them to get too competitive too early. You know, there's the, the element of protectiveness that uh, that Richard Williams had for for all his daughters, not just not just Venus and Serena. Mm. And, and, you know, and the general high levels, you know, that they, they push on each other as a family, the way they all, it's a very, very close and loving and and good portrayal of a family, but there is also this idea that they're all pushing each other. They're all working really hard. They're all dedicated to this common goal of kind of striving for greater things. Yeah. And and you hear a little bit about the parents' backgrounds to again give context to that. So I so I give Green a huge amount of credit for all of that because I think he's done a really good job of balancing all these different ideas, all these different issues, all these different challenges that they face, and making it make sense. And I mean, we haven't even mentioned you know the the sort of supporting cast, but you've got people in there. That like John Berenthal in another one of his ridiculous wigs and appalling <laughs> uses of facial hair. Um, uh, Tony Goldwyn, people like that. Really, really good people turning up for like two minute cameos sometimes, um, but just giving it a little bit of you know wider world context. The script's great as well. Mm, really I think good. the script, because of the detail that's gone into that script where we do get just the right amount of backstory, just the, amount of, the right amount of detail about the sports, about the parenting, about the mission, it stops it from being too um, saccharine, yeah. which it could have so easily have been in the wrong hands. Absolutely. it's um, It stays pretty raw and, and thorough and it's warm for the right kind of reasons. Yeah, that was uh, Zach Balin screenplay as yes. well. But yeah, really, really good work on his part. Four stars then for King Richard. Check it out this weekend in cinemas. Uh, and finally this week, uh, there are a couple of movies that are out uh, in cinemas, but are also going to be hitting Netflix in the next couple of weeks. So you have Halle Berry's directorial debut, Bruised, in which she also stars as a woman who becomes an MMA fighter. And also Jane Campion's The Power of the Dog, which stars... Benedict Cumberbatch as you've never seen him before. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But in the best possible way. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Uh, And we'll be digging into those movies properly in a couple of weeks' time, but but good stuff all around, I'm saying. Mm. Definitely. And Drive My Car, which I watched on your instruction and was three hours long and within 24 hours notice of coming on this podcast, so I am going to talk about because... That is what I was getting onto. (laughs) Yes, those two have been mentioned in dispatches, but we were finishing with Drive My Car. Oh, I thought that was the end. I was (laughs) like, I swear to God, Chrissy. <laughs> you have 25 seconds. Uh, so, yes, drive my car, Beth Webb. Yes. That's not an instruction. That's a tell, but I don't have a car for you to drive, quite frankly. I, don't, I can't drive, so there will be hilarity all around. Oh, my God, we need to do this. We should oh have no. a Kickstarter. <laughs> yes. So, this is based uh, on a short story by Haruki Murakami, who I adore. Uh, obviously, the author of Norwegian Wood, Kafka on the Shore, uh, Bomb Burning, which was the short story that inspired burning this is uh by Ryosuke Hamaguchi whose films I have not seen but have heard wonderful wonderful things about happy hour which much as it sounds incredible is five and a half hours long and so I will be watching the YouTube recap of happy hour um but this uh this is a story about a actor and director called Yusuke uh Kafuku played by Hidetoshi uh, Mashijima 
And his wife dies unexpectedly about 40, 45 minutes into, into the film. And then he goes off to make, uh, to direct a stage production of play and develops this really lovely, wonderful kinship with a young woman who is his chauffeur, hence the drive my car in the title. Uh, and it's about this really beautiful forged kinship between the two, two wonderful performances between the pair of them. Um, composition's really beautiful. Generally, very, very sweet. Uh, it is glacial but uh, has just the right amount of melodrama and emotional stakes to make this engaging, generally very, very pleasant. Cool. There we go. All right. All right, Beth, we don't have an official Empire review as of this point. Uh, So what would you give it? I give it four. Four? Yeah. That's a good week, isn't it? That's a solid week. Yeah. Fours, fives, fours and fours. Power of the Dog, was that a five? That was a four for me. I reviewed it. Strong four, very strong four. Strong four. Yeah. So nearly a five. Yeah, good week. Good week at the old multiplex. Um, of course, you could also just go see Eternals. Oh my God, Chris. <laughs> Parody of yourself. Aww, I think it's sweet. I think it's sweet and fly this little flag in the corner. <laughs> anyway, can we wrap this yeah. up? I've got to go see the Eternals. Yes, you do. <laughs> and we've got to talk about Spider-Man. So. Oh shit, yeah, we yeah, do. we got to do that. All right. Okay, on that note, that is it for this week's Empire Podcast. Uh, join us next week for more film-related fun. We'll, we'll be joined by... My dad. <laughs> yeah, not, Beth Barrett. Not Steve Webb, not Helen Webb, uh, <laughs> but instead by John Lucasamo, who is one of the stars of Encanto. Uh, and that interview is very interesting, a lot of fun, uh, but also thought-provoking too. Mm. Hmm. Makes really makes you think. Uh, we'll also be joined by Adam Driver. Ooh. No. Kylo Ren <gasps> himself. To talk about Gookie. <laughs> House, of House of Gookie. House of Gookie. <laughs> which apparently is how it's pronounced. Yeah. He would say in a great way as well because of how he says ghouls in a oh, House of Gookie. Oh, cool. Yeah. Gookie. Yeah. He can drive my car if because he's a driver. Okay. And a centaur. When's he a centaur? In that, in a that centa? T- perfume. A cent- is that a centaur? Why do you, why do you, in, that, in that perfume advert, he's a centaur. Oh, he, he, yeah. I forgot he goes about full that. centaur. He goes full centaur. Never go full centaur. Never go full centaur. <laughs> yeah, in certain areas. Oh my god! Wow. Anyway, Anywho. anyway, <laughs> that is it. All that remains for me now is to say goodbye to my three colleagues of such lethal cunning. Thanks, Beth Webb. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for your parents as well. Yeah, that was an experience, <laughs> all, all wasn't webs, it? A web yes. Can we go set myself yeah. on fire now? <laughs> yeah. That was, I love your mum going, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> We're not interested. <laughs> no Jehovah's Witnesses, please. Uh, it is goodbye, of course, from James Dyer. Goodbye, Christopher. Goodbye, James. <laughs> anyway, it's goodbye as well from a gay queen, Helen O'Hara. <laughs> Toodaloo. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening. I'm off to fix our bloody wee See you next time. <laughs> Bye.